peace of Christ be with you. We should all be so lucky as to be greeted by a child every Sunday when we come into church, shouldn't we? As we gather in this place, I invite you to take three deep breaths, not so much to summon the Spirit, but to broaden your awareness to the presence of the Spirit and to be held by this house of prayer. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. in body or spirit for the call to worship. You are both the shaper of all things and the presence within all things. Let us recognize your touch and substance within us. You are the grantor of both form and freedom. You make us all of one substance, yet you revel in our diversity. Let us worship, knowing you have accepted us. Let us worship, knowing we will be changed.
may be seated. As we enter a time of prayer, I'd invite you to open your bulletin to the printed prayer, community prayer of ours. Let us pray. You have promised to shape and to guide, to form and to reform. Sometimes we have trusted. Prayers continue in silence. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountaintops and valleys deep. You shape each of us and all of us into something beautiful each day. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and are grateful that you opened the door. For it is in your son's name and for his sake we pray. Amen. I invite our children who aren't already up here to join Bethany up here at the front. All right, you want to come sit with me? Hey, I was supposed to right over here. Hey, everyone, it's good to see you. I know, it's good to see you, Nicholas. Hello, everyone, welcome. It's good to see you all. I, um, I wanted to share with you today my friend Simba. Oh, wait a minute. I had Simba. Where'd he? Oh, no, I must have gotten distracted and left Simba up there. Oh, oh Simba. Oh, no, wait, wait, Simba will find his way, don't worry. I'll, I'll let Simba come, Simba might be fi- feeling a little lost right now, but I'll let him come find me. While we wait for Simba to find me, I guess we should just talk amongst ourselves. How are you doing today? Good, great. Uh, how are all of you doing today? Good. Simba? No, Simba's still not coming. Okay, well, maybe in a little bit. I'll wait for Simba. Oh, wait a minute. What, Liam? He's a stuffed animal. He can't move. He's not going to find his way back to me. Oh, maybe, maybe. Actually, Sol, would you go ahead and bring Simba over? Because Simba's not going to figure out how to come find me. Simba's a stuffed animal, for goodness sake. Okay. Thank you for your help. Uh, Simba, I'm so sorry. I was not a very good stuffy owner right then, was I? I just kind of left him behind, and then I didn't go seek him out. I just kind of left him to wander on his own. That wasn't very nice of me. Goodness, I'm, Simba, I'm sorry. I will do better in the future. But thank goodness, thank goodness that God is better at looking after us than I am at looking after Simba. Holy moly. Many of you today in Sunday school are going to hear a story about a shepherd who looks after the shepherd's sheep. And this shepherd is so careful with his sheep. 
The shepherd leads the sheep to these great grassy pastures so the sheep can eat. And the shepherd leads the sheep to water so the sheep can drink. And the shepherd is so careful to not leave any sheep behind. And if, if make sure all the sheep travel together and to make sure that they are safe and comfortable and loved. And my goodness, that shepherd does a much better job than I do with Simba, I have to tell you. And it makes me wonder about how God might be like a shepherd to each one of us, looking after us, making sure that we know how much we are loved and cared for. And I am just so grateful that God cares for me so carefully and with such kindness and love. Alleluia to God's love in our lives. So many of you are going to hear that story in Sunday school. So I invite you to stand up and nicely and gently and slowly follow Rob (laughs) out to Sunday school. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of One of the ways that we come together as a community and we strengthen our bonds is not only to keep our children from breaking things on the way out of the sanctuary, but by, by things I mean their own bodies, but by sharing what's going on in our lives so that we know what somebody next to us may be going through or what they may be celebrating, that we might join them in either case. So if you have something to lift up for the community, please raise your hand. I have, I'm going to start, actually, and then I'll go here and here. You may have noticed a couple of orange cones on that end of the parking lot. That's because any day now our first modular building will be showing up, which will help us um, house some of our programs. This will be for the preschool uh, during our renovation and expansion. So it's finally here. This is very exciting. What a joy. And uh, the gentle concern with that is we will lose some parking for a while. So as you may have discovered this morning, it's already getting tight. So if you're somebody who can park a little farther away, over at the school perhaps, or walk or carpool or bike, or if you like getting up and coming to the 830 service, that's an easier space to park. But what a joy. All your hard work, all your generosity, it's finally about to come to fruition. Now, Elizabeth. Yes. So well said, Elizabeth. Like, like many of us, uh, Elizabeth is aware that the ingathering and the meal uh, that we have every year on this date was often uh, uh, buoyed by the spirit of Peter Wirtz and, and Marilyn. And Peter's been on a long journey with cancer, and we hope to see him back soon. But it's moments like that when we remember those who aren't with us. We continue to remember him and others who may not be well enough to be here. I saw back here, I could, was it Barb? Yes, please.
Terrific. Peter, what a gift to have you here and, and to have your mother here as well. As Barb mentioned, years ago, you all prayed fervently for Peter to find a new heart, and he did, and we give thanks. Others. Marcia mentioned to me in a message that, uh, of course, our hearts break for the devastation in the Bahamas. Um, it can feel so helpless. As always, though I haven't checked, but I'm sure it's there. If you go to Presbyterian Disaster Resi- uh, Assistance, they are almost always right away on the ground and ready to help along with the other agencies that you care about. But our hearts are heavy with that. Others? Robin. Sharon. Um, at my age, I've had many, many neighbors, but I have the best neighbors ever in my whole life, and I invited them today. Those of us who follow each other on Facebook, it's the wed- wedding I went to in Chicago last oh, night. Patience and Michael, just wait. Oh, ter- yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patience and Michael, welcome, and to any visitors, welcome. Uh, they were voted by Sharon as the best neighbors on the planet. <laughs> so Sharon's vote is good enough for me. Yeah, please. Yeah. 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 Welcome, Gail, Marcy's mother. It's wonderful to have you here. Well, shall we? Shall we pray after Sandy does one more here? I, I won't shut Sandy down. I know better. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. I'll give you a little update. Thank you for that, Sandy. Um, If you're on the prayer chain, and you can get on that if you're not on it, uh, we learned that Bev Alexander fell and not only broke a hip, but it turns out um, fractured some of her back and a leg. And she's uh, discovered some um, ongoing conditions that made that more likely. And so she's doing great, but she has a road ahead of her. And Joan, it looked like... Oh, you did? Terrific. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joan, Joan updates us that she saw Bev, and Bev has posted videos of herself walking in the hospital with one of our uh, youth advisors by her side. What a testament, what a testament to positive. Let's pray. Holy One, we walk with so much. We carry so much. Let us cultivate a gratitude that we might know what to yearn for, how to be thankful, how to have joy, and also that we might endure the difficult times, that we might be living joy for the one next to us who can't muster it themselves. We ask simply that we might walk through this world as Jesus did. Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. The first scripture reading is Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6 and 13 to 18. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
even before a word is on my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is, is just too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inner parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Oh, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, but they are more than the sand. I come to the end, and I am still with you. This is holy wisdom, holy word. A little different today, you'll get to hear briefly from each of us. For now, our scripture reading continues in the pro- with the prophet of Jeremiah. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Or at another moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now then, speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. O turn back, each of you from his evil way. And reform your ways and deeds. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Why, why did Jeremiah have to go to a potter's house? I mean, there are lots of metaphors that God could use to describe how we become something beautiful. Uh, but why a potter? Could have sent Jeremiah to a painter. And you could imagine Jeremiah there with this big canvas, seeing a painter with all the colors creating something beautiful out of it. But he didn't go see a painter, he went to a potter's house. He could have gone to some concert where music was being played, played, but I'm sorry, he did not go to a concert. There were no musicians involved. Uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. But he didn't go see music. He, he went to a potter's house. 
he could have gone in that day and time, he could have gone to see a carpenter build something, because I've heard that God has a thing for Jewish carpenters. But he didn't go see a carpenter. He went to a potter's house. Why a potter's house? You know, Jeremiah's world was very chaotic. It was a mess. His, the people, his neighbors, his friends, his family, they were being invaded and conquered by a foreign army, and then being not just conquered, not just enslaved, but exiled to a foreign land and enslaved in that foreign land. He is in the midst of this chaos. And to make matters worse, the leaders, the preachers of his day, many of them were corrupt, most of them. And the preachers were preaching messages of idolatry and of turning away from God. And you thought you had it rough. I didn't mean that in relation to here, but... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, Jeremiah's world is chaotic, and God says, I want you to go see a potter. I've actually been to a potter's house once. It was in San Luis Potosi, which is a fairly large, mostly industrial city in the middle of Mexico. I was with a church from outside of Houston, Texas, and we went there. We were working with this man named Dale, this missionary there, and he took us to this potter's house because he loved to explain this story there. And I was mesmerized by all these bowls that looked exactly the same, yet all were handmade. We go from room to room, and we're, he's telling us about you know, the bubbles and the water and the clay, and everything's getting shaped. We go in the room where the guy is there with the wheel, and the thing is spinning, and he's shaping it. We go to the last room where it's put through the, the fire, and it, he's holding this finished product, this finished bowl in his hands. And he's describing how God holds us in his hands and, and how we're shaped. And he drops it on the concrete, and it shatters in every direction. And Dale explains to us that when the clay becomes hard, it cannot be reshaped. It can only be broken. Jeremiah goes to a potter's house, which is one of the most simple and ordinary places in his world. And he learns a timeless truth that is so important for us that it has been passed on from generation to generation to our reading of it today. You know, it's kind of a deal to come to church, isn't it? to get yourself together, you know? Maybe you have to get other people together, too, to get them here. Uh, and we do that because we expect something here, oftentimes, to fill us with hope. We expect some sense of truth, some sense of kindness or love or compassion, and we hope you find that here with the people that are here. But Jeremiah went to a simple, ordinary place and discovered something that we all needed to hear, that God shapes us and molds us. And just a bit of time, as mentioned, that building over there will be torn down, and we will be somewhat displaced. Our community, our places of worship, won't be in special places like this as much as they will be in parks, coffee shops, restaurants, at people's homes, maybe even your home we will find God, find timeless truth in these simple and ordinary places. What truth will you discover in those simple and ordinary places? What truth will we discover? 
How will you be shaped? How will we all be shaped in those simple and ordinary places? Bethany, could you tell us? <laughs> I, will t- I, will t- I will tell you this, a truth that I have discovered about myself through the years, which probably won't surprise those of you who know me, is that I am a planner. No. <laughs> you could act a little more surprised. Now, I like to know when things are going to happen, how they're going to happen. I like to know as far in advance as possible with as much detail as possible. I like things to be on the calendar with no changes. Really, what it comes down to is I like to be in control. I am not a spontaneous person. I kind of railed against this earlier in my life, but I'm beginning to accept this is how I am. So I hear this story from Jeremiah And I will admit, at first hearing, it makes me a little tense. You know, this idea that God is the potter and I am the clay. You know, that God is molding and shaping my life. Now, that screams to me lack of control, right? I would like to be the one molding and shaping my life. Thank you, God, very much, but I think I can do this on my own. Now, the problem is, whenever I try to do it on my own, and I do... I usually make a mess of things. And that is really what's happening here in Jeremiah. Many of the people have tried to do it on their own, and they have made a mess of things. So God speaks to them through Jeremiah, trying to remold and reshape them in God's ways. From the beginning of God's covenant with God's people, God has asked us to follow God, to listen to God's call, and to live out God's call of love in the world. And when we don't do that, when we think that we're just fine on our own, God calls to us again, continuing to mold and to shape us in God's ways. So when I start to understand the passage in that way, I will admit that my anxiety decreases a little bit, and instead I really am filled with a certain hope. You know, the hope that God really does want what is best for me in my life. You know, and though this passage really speaks to me individually, I am also aware that Jeremiah isn't talking to just one person, but instead Jeremiah is talking to the gathered community. So it makes me wonder what Jeremiah might have to say to this gathered community of Westminster, especially as we approach this upcoming year of renovation. And again, what it comes down to for me is that for each of us individually and for us as a community, God wants what is best for us. You know, this coming year will be full of change. It will be full of challenge. The renovation is going to force us to be flexible and spontaneous. (laughs) I've already started to practice my deep breathing about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I also am aware that God is with us through this journey. God is continuing to shape us and mold us to a future that we perhaps don't even know yet is possible but in all ways, helping us to be the best community we can be. Now that only happens, however, if we allow this molding and this shaping 
You know, I am exhibit A for wanting to hold on tight to what is familiar, to what is comfortable. But I wonder in this coming year how we might experiment together, how we might try new things together, how we might help each other listen to the movement of the Spirit and wonder together in what ways we may be reshaped together. So as I, as I was reading our other passage for this morning, Psalm 139, I was recalling a time many years ago when I was sharing this psalm with our confirmation class. And I was reading this beautiful psalm to our high school students, and one student in particular started getting this really uncomfortable look on her face. So much, though, that after several lines, I just had to stop reading, and I had to ask her, you're, you're obviously having a strong reaction to this psalm. What's going on? And she said, I just, I just really don't like this psalm. It makes God sound like a stalker. <laughs> and I, ha- I had to think about that for a moment because I love Psalm 139. You know, the message of comfort, the promise that God is with me always, anywhere, at any time. But then I realized the comfort that I draw from that, I could see the challenge that she was struggling with. Because certainly there are times when maybe it's a little easier for God to not be with us always, right? Especially those times when God is calling us out to do and try something new. Maybe it's better to just say, God, go be with someone else for a little while. So in that way, both of these readings offer so much comfort. You know, that message that God is with us and that God wants what is best for us, that is good news. And the message of challenge, that we are continually being shaped and molded and called to be our very best selves possible. And I will hope, I hope that we listen to that challenge in this coming year. You know, as a community, we do so many things well. We are a welcoming congregation. But how might we be even more inclusive to all people? We are a congregation that serves, but how might we seek out even more opportunities to serve? We are a congregation that praises God. But how might we make even more abundant the message of God's glory and wonder? We are a generous congregation, but how might we find even more chances to give. You know, I truly feel blessed every time I am with this community. And I believe, I trust that as we move into the future together, we will, we will be open to how God is shaping and molding us to be the best community we can be. Amen. You know what the difference between sand and clay is? Death. I know. End on a high note, McClellans. Launch the year on something nice and cheery. <laughs> but it's actually out of the dark things that all other things are born. I have a friend whose name's Charles, and he's an Episcopal priest. He's also a professional potter. And he says the one thing that makes it all possible 
is death. Because the clay is held together by this sticky stuff he gives a technical uh, term for, uh, death goo. It's old, decayed plants and animals, all kinds of organic matter that has had its time and allows itself to be reformed into something beautiful and useful all at the same time. Death goo. It's what makes it all happen. We experience all kinds of death in our life all the time. Not just the big one, but little ones all, all the time. And as Christians, we're told from the very youngest of ages, it's not the end. And we don't have to be afraid. And yet, we deny its existence and all the loss we experience constantly. And in doing so, we miss the possibility that it might also have a gift in store, even in the midst of that pain. I read recently about someone who said rather insensitively to, to a loved one who had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer, what's it like to live knowing you're going to die? person took it in stride and said, what's it like to live pretending you're not? Feel that, you feel that turn, though? Even in that, there was some kind of gift. And if we're not to be afraid of death, what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? There are two responses to the very real and very scary and painful losses in our lives, which we can call deaths. The first is to just hold on with everything we have to a reality that is inevitably slipping away. And the second is just to surrender it up to a greater set of hands. To surrender to something bigger. Now, when I say that, I want to be careful because you don't need to surrender yourself to any hands that aren't safe. You don't have to be touched by any hands that aren't trustworthy. But in God, we have both safe and trustworthy hands. And as you've already heard it, and as my friend Charles said it to me about this very passage, remember, we are not the potter. We're just the clay. And he has this wonderful quote. It's on the cover of your bulletins, and it's something to the effect of, the saints of the church are saints, not because they're holy, but because they allow God to form something, to make something out of the very real deaths, brokenness, difficulties in their lives. That's what makes a saint. It may not be the kinds of things we thought it was about. And what it means is we likewise have to shift how we approach things. So prayer is less about asking for things and maybe a little bit more about listening for things, a little less about directing and a little more about noticing, a little less about certainty and a little more about curiosity, a little less saying, I know, and a little more saying, I wonder. And then all those things that are tempting to allow to harden and become so breakable 
can soften and can be shaped likewise into something beautiful and something useful. That becomes our calling. Whether it's us as a church with what you've already heard is ahead for us this year, or that which is in our lives. And you all have worlds as big as this church you carry around with you all the time. So for you and for us, just three images of the potter and the clay that you can carry with you. The first, the pot is not simply to be set on a shelf to be adored for its beauty, though that has its place. It also carries something in the ancient world, food and water. And Jesus, in very real ways, in very tangible measures, provided for the material and spiritual sustenance of those around him in need. And the church is nothing if it is not also part of that movement. There are people who come here throughout the week whose only thought throughout the day is where will they eat next. And in well-to-do Marin, there are people who come here who are as famished spiritually. Turn left might be the way we get there. Who knows? We need... I don't mean that politically. Um, trying to come together here. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the right ways, but we do have something to offer, a, offer the world and let us not be afraid to offer it. Secondly, let our vessel carry hope. It is so easy in this world in whatever circumstance you find yourself in or that we find ourselves in to be bearers of despair. And so many people have dropped their vessels, seeing them no longer as helpful, and they've shattered. And what's there to hold the hope if we don't hold it? And it's not based on evidence. It's based on discipline. Hope is a spiritual practice, and it's our job to cultivate it and carry it when everybody thinks there's no longer a reason for it. That's a deep calling, friends. And third, let us recognize in the image of the potter and the clay, the gift of our own fragility. I don't mean that in the sense of what makes us defensive or aggressive when we feel like we're attacked, but rather the peace in us that recognizes in our broken places and in our vulnerabilities, there is a pathway to connect to someone else who likewise hurts and therefore an avenue to compassion. Look at Jesus. He doesn't deflect the pain. He openly suffers it, and he sees it as a window to compassion for others, and he allows it to become a bridge between us and the everlasting one. What a gift. So, in our lives, let's not be so caught up in building unmovable, unchangeable monuments for all time but rather not be worried about the concrete and instead willingly step into that flow of eons of things that have come and gone so that, so that our life's work, our vocation, might truly be becoming good clay.
may be seated. There are many wonderful things going on in the life of this beloved community. You see many of them printed in the back of your bulletin. I especially hear that the youth ministry here is wonderful. Um, I don't get to be here very often to, to tell you what I hear about that. So, But one of those things that's not, I don't see mentioned here, but you should know is we are in a season of nominating uh, church officers, elders, and deacons, if there is somebody that you think would be good at that, you can obviously speak to one of the staff about that, or Michael Hatfield would be happy to talk to you. Mike, could you wave your hand just so everyone can see you? Yeah. So you grab any of us to talk to about that. Uh, secondly, again, it's been noted a couple times that there's going to be a trailer out in this parking lot. Uh, parking will become even more tight, so... You're invited to do what I do uh, many times, take the bus here, ride your bike, walk if you can. I would be happy to have someone beside me or on the bus with me and chit-chatting. So you're invited to do that. And lastly, you may have noticed on your way in that there's a lot of activity out here because we're having our annual in-gathering. So please come and eat the food, enjoy the fellowship, the friends, the people here. And I'm looking forward to enjoying your company as well. Would you please stand? Sorry. I I don't get to be here much.
I'm aware of the irony of thanking people for putting on a meal for us while they're in the other room getting ready to put on the meal for us, but let it be said and let it be shared with them how grateful we are for what they've done. So many volunteers coming together to make today possible. Bruce Nelson, I'm told, spent three hours on Friday setting up uh, the the tables and the spreads and so many other countless volunteers. Why would they do that? Because they loved you before they knew you. Because they've been touched on some level by the hands of the potter. I have a feeling we're going to need each other this year in ways we don't yet even recognize. So let us let this meal become a communion feast. It's a new year. Let's have fun. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is the father and mother of all of us, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with us this day, be with us every day. Amen. Amen.